Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. So the, these last few weeks and even leading up to Christmas Eve, we're, we're telling the story again. And, and some of us know the story, some of us know parts of the story, and, and we've, been, we've been taking different angles of, of the Christmas story, and the reason for it is because it's an amazing story. What's amazing about it, we looked at the first week with the series, was that it, it, what's amazing about the, the Christmas story is it's a true story. It's a true story. It's a true account. When we talk about, like, what's the best stories? It's the true stories. It's the true things that happen, and we're like, wow, that was true, and that really happened, Yeah. Last week, we spent some time just talking about the timing of a story and how the Christmas story and the, and the events of history, the, it was the perfect timing, the perfect setup of what, what God wanted to do to bring the salvation of Jesus to the world. And today, we're going to talk about the twist in the story. Great stories, great, great epic stories have twists in them. A twist is a, it said a twist is a literally technique that introduces a radical change in the direction or expected outcome of a plot or work of fiction. And, and you know this in moments in movies and novels that you read, that it keeps you intrigued. You know, it sets up the, the book or the movie sets up the character development like, okay, it's normal life. And like, why am I watching people just do normal life? It's, it would be a boring movie, right? There has to be a twist. There has to be an unexpected event that takes place that you're going, oh my gosh, I can't believe that just happened. Wow. It, it, it gets us intrigued and interested more and curious about it. It's when we go, oh, I'm going to put my phone down. I'm going to watch this. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get distracted. I'm, I'm glued to this book. I, I wanna, I, it's, it's, a, it's a page turner. I got to get to the next part of it. That's great. That's a great story. Well, the, the Christmas story really is that story that we're going to look at. And we love great stories like that. I love great stories like that. I love the little twists and the little moments that happen. I, I just don't like it in real life, do we? <laughs> like spare us the drama. We don't want twists. We don't like surprises. I mean, maybe it's kind of fun to be surprised. You think, it, you know, a surprise birthday party. It's always funny with surprise birthday parties. Like everybody, you know, knows it's your birthday and you know it's your birthday. And like, oh, it's a surprise party. Like you didn't know that. It's your birthday. But we love, we love surprises like that. But we, we really, most of us like to avoid the surprises in life because a lot of those surprises are not really great surprises. And in the, in the midst of the drama in our life, there's, if there's ever drama this time of year, it's at the, at the Christmas season because a lot of it has to do with there's high expectations that we put upon it. There's high expectations. And we're coming into this Christmas week and there's high expectation. There's personal work that we have to do and involvement that we have in getting ready for Christmas. And it's the same for church as well. Each and every year as we prepare for some pretty big days that are coming up, there's, there's a lot of work that goes involved. There's a lot of stress that goes involved. But I remember looking back, and actually this would, this would have been our 11th, my family has 11th Christmas Eve at North Bay. It would have been the 11th, but it actually is the 10th. Because the first one never happened. We woke up 2008, Christmas Eve morning, 2008, and there was snow flurries coming down. It was getting colder and colder, and there's snow coming a little bit. Hmm, I'm going, oh, this will be interesting. 
And as we went along in the day, in the morning, and I was getting ready, I remember going off on my own and getting ready. You know, this is my first Christmas Eve sermon and trying to get ready for it and prepare for it. I mean, this is a big expectation, hoping this. More still started coming down. We went out to my mom's uh, for lunch in Linden. And after lunch, it was snowing heavily and more snow was coming. And it was like, turned into a whiteout. We couldn't even see. It was treacherous driving even home that day. And we had to end up canceling our Christmas Eve services. It was a bummer. It was a bummer that happened. And and I I, I know in life sometimes when it comes, especially in the Christmas season, we have this high expectation of an event that takes place. And sometimes it doesn't happen. There's this pressure. And maybe you can relate with this Christmas time is that you're feeling pressure to perform and fill expectations that come. And it might mean buying a, a gift at the right, you know, you ever part of gift exchanges and there's like this window of like, it can't be too cheap and it can't be too expensive. You got to buy something within this window. You feel that preparation, I know, and in some of the parties and things we've done, we've had to do that. Uh, preparing for a party, maybe you've had some parties. I think I'm on my fourth Christmas party, by the way. Christmas is not even happened yet. Some of you are in like wearing the right clothes. Now you got to look ugly. That's expectation now that you have to look this way. Uh, it's in some like, that's easy to do usually, but it's, sometimes it's hard, but you have to make goodies. You get deadlines. Some of you have work deadlines that you're going to take some time off and you got to get stuff done because they're going to close the place down during Christmas week. Students, I know we are, our son had just finished his first semester and deadlines for college and getting everything done for that. Uh, physical expectations of all that you need to be here and do this. And I would say that probably one of the big things for some of us is emotional expectations. That you're going into the Christmas week and you're going to be with people that you don't normally are with. The only reason you're with them is like somehow you're related to them. And there's this expectation to be a certain way and you're, you're wanting to avoid certain conversations and maybe even avoiding certain people, but you can't do it because it's the holidays. And so there's, there's a lot of stress that goes on and, and some of you are sitting here going, okay, we weren't that stressed until you brought all that up, right? Like, thank you very much for getting us worked up about it all. But I think that's a reality for us. There's high expectations. And this is on top of it all is this, is everything needs to line up. You've got this to do, this to do, this to do. And you really don't, you don't have any time for margin of error. None of you have, like, there, for some of you, there is some things you got to accomplish and do. And you're like, I hope nothing happens this week because I got to get this done. There better not be any setbacks, right? And some of you are going like, yeah, right. There's going to be something that's going to happen. I don't want to be Scrooge and the whole thing, but something's going to happen this week. I know. And if it's not this week, it's going to be in 2019. There's going to be unexpected things that are going to take, take place in our lives that we just can't control, even though we're trying to fulfill these expectations and the pressures there. And that, that's really true of, this, of the Christmas story of as much as we love twists, it's in, in stories and we watch and we read and, and, and all that, the reality is in our own life, we don't always appreciate them, but that really is what the Christmas story has been about. It's, it's filled with twists and turns. And so today I want to give a, I want to give a look again at the, at the story. We're going to tell it again because it's Christmas to tell the story once again in another year and how powerful it is. And I want to read today from Matthew's account this morning. And it says this, it says that this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, and before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you know the story, but if you don't, let me tell, you, tell it again. Is that there, and you need to know a little bit of background. Is Joseph and Mary were 
average, probably average peasant teenage couple. Joseph's probably a little older than teenage, but Mary definitely was in teenage age, probably 14, 15, 16 years old, that she was pledged to get, they're pledged to get married. I mean, there was a, a legal contract signed, uh, the, the father and the groom-to-be to sign, and there's dowry paid, and there's a whole, whole thing set up, this is going to happen. And then the proper Jewish way of celebration of covenant marriage, all this was going to take place and happen. And even in back in the day, the, there, was in, there was a proper courtship and, and purity period and all that went happened. And even Joseph would go home to his own home that he grew up in, and he would build a, a ha, a, another room on, uh, next to the, the house. They would actually add on to the home so that he would take home his wife to his parents, and they would live there for a certain amount of years. That was his tradition to do that. Some of you are like, I don't really like that tradition. I don't know if my kids... Would you imagine having that today? So if you're thinking like, how do I avoid my, my children coming and moving back with us? One word, motorhome. That might be two words, motorhome and maybe a P.O. box, right? We'll come visit you, right? But that was their tradition. And I, I bring all that up as this is what they wanted. This was normal. This was predictable. This is supposed to happen this way. And yet the Christmas story tells the exact opposite of the twists and turns that took place. It, Again, it's saying this, but, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, what was happening here? It was simple. This young couple never expected they would be expecting, and they would be expecting to, to deliver the Messiah. The, 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 the Savior of the world was to come. And so, of course, Joseph knew at some point, but Mary knew first. Mary, the typical teenage girl, did did, did some schooling and did chores and she was preparing to be married and all the predictable things that happened. And there's a twist that comes that ended up transforming history. And in, in the Luke version of the gospel, it says this, that Gabriel, the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Imagine an angel pointing, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. You're looking around like, are you talking to me? Typical teenage girl, she's just like, I, I didn't make the cheer squad. I don't even, you're looking at me? What, what are you talking about? Look, but look at her response here. Oh, he says to her, he says this, you will conceive and give birth to a son. You will call him Jesus and he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. It's like, uh, how, 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 you know, how, what? Like I, I took health class here enough. I know I'm a, this can't happen. I'm a virgin. Well, very delicately, delicately, you can picture Gabriel going, well, this angel said, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born and will be called the Son of God. Mary didn't really plan this to be in her life goal. This wasn't part of her thing. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get my driver's license. I'm going to go to the prom. I'm going to, you know what I'm saying? This order of things happening. And I don't know if the song was there back then. I thought it was like, first comes love. Then comes marriage. Then comes the baby in the baby carriage. Okay. You remember that? singing that in the playground? Like that seems to be the order here. I'm like, this doesn't seem biblical. Okay. And the let alone to be the mother of what? God's son? A little bit of twist and you're what you expected in your life to happen. Now, listen to Mary's response. It, all, it just confirms that God got the right mom to give birth to the Savior. This, this, response is, this response is amazing. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. 
Then the angel left her. Isn't that an amazing response? We're going to come back at the end of that, how important that response was. But Mary, Mary had this news, and now she was going to have to have the conversation. You ever have to have the conversation with somebody? Like, I think it's time, I think we need to sit down for this one. Talk about the conversation to have with your husband-to-be. How do you do that? How did Mary do that? Honey bunch? <laughs> it might be good if you sit down for a moment. I got something to tell you. Like, I, ah, here's the thing. I'll just get it out there. I'm just going to say it. I'm pregnant. No, don't before you jump to conclusions. It's the Holy Spirit. Think about that. Think about that action real time. How that, you know, he's like, oh, okay. How, how long did you come up with that one? Right? You know, I saw this guy looking at you at the well, and, you know, there's a lot of suspicion that can go in there, right? This girl's crazy, you know? She's, you know, blind, you know, it's, he's blindsided by this. Well, he faced a difficult choice. We need to understand that, that Joseph, this was a very difficult, can you imagine? Because on top of all that was this, there's this reputation of this issue of purity, this, you know, back in the day, if you were, if you were pregnant outside of wedlock, it was not only sin, it was actually considered crime. You could be punished by stone, being stoned to death. I mean, this is, this was huge deal. I mean, what would affect them would be the, the, the shame they would experience in their community that, that Joseph would, would find and that if, if this is all that's going on and the legitimacy, all this, and they're like, yeah, the Holy Spirit, Joe, come on. I've seen you, you know, park your camel outside, you know, her place late at night and, you know, whatever. I mean, there's a lot of suspicion that could have took place there. It would have affected his, his livelihood. It would have affected her and then this community. And, and so what he decided to do is consider bailing. Some of you know the story in verse 19 says this, before Joseph, her husband was faithful to the law, yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had mind to divorce her quietly. You know, divorce, she's not even married yet. Again, this was a legal contract. And it was literally, you could, you could get out of it was if there was any kind of infidelity that they could, Joseph could walk away. And, and most would say, Joe, we get it, buddy. You don't want to get your life complicated. This little little twist in your thing. You could just let her go and let her be and everything, but he knew that would be jeopardy. It would actually, it could be very, very harmful for Mary. In fact, she, how would even a father be able to give away her, uh, their, their daughter any longer? And, and her very life was at stake. There was a lot going on, but they were facing a reputation. They're facing shame. There was so much, it was complicating what's happening. This little twist in their, in their life was, not, was very disruptive. And yet, this is God's plan to reveal, in fact, the greatest thing to ever happen came this way in this little twist that's part of the first Christmas story. Now look at verse 20. It says, before he had considered all this, Joseph, you can picture him just almost like agonizing in bed. You can imagine late night wrestling through what to do. And the scripture says this, that he finally fell asleep. And it says, the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. And you, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus means Yeshua, saved one. And here, Joseph wakes up, you picture in a cold sweat that the Lord had spoken to him, that he was, think about his role in this. He was going to help usher in and be a part of ushering in 
the, the, the Messiah, the Savior of the, the world to come. He was going to be the most famous stepdad ever. Never thought of it in this wildest dream, but yet in this very dream, he was obedient to God. Listen to what Joseph says. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. All's good. Everything's good. So you think there it is. That's enough drama in your life. Like that's enough. All that happened. Okay. Conceived by the Holy Spirit and virgin birth. Okay. We get the order. Okay. Now let's kind of regroup here a little bit. Let's go ahead, okay, let's start preparing for this baby to come. Let's, let's go ahead and select the, the PPO, the, the provider. Let's probably midwife or whoever to pick. We're going to go, well, we're going to do this all in order. We're going to have this baby. And, and you know, Joseph, Joseph's thinking, I'm going to build that extra room on the house. And so this is all going on routine. Well, guess what? There's another twist in the story, a big twist in the story. And it happens here. Chapter 2. Of Luke, it says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken in the entire Roman world. There it is right there. That's the twist. Yeah, Augustus. Augustus, like all the other Roman emperors, were egomaniacs. And they, every time they became emperor, they wanted to do a census. They're like, how big of empire do I have? I want to count. I want to count everybody that's in my empire. And that's what, that's what was ordered. And so all the people had to go back to their, their family origin. Not where you're born, but where your family was born, where your family started. And for Joseph's family, it was Bethlehem. And who, little did they know maybe at the moment, but it ended up fulfilling a prophecy that took place that the Savior of the world would be born in, in Bethlehem. And here they have the Savior of the world carrying the Savior of the world to take all the way to Bethlehem. Well, how far is Nazareth from Bethlehem? You know, it's about 90 miles. You're thinking, oh, it's kind of a, well, no car, not a lot of horses back then. 90 miles. Oh, mom, to be great with child. Ladies, you, some of you have been pregnant before. Walking 90 miles, pregnant. Great with child. Well, that, that sounds like fun. You're thinking, well, what about the donkey? There's a, I'm sure she was. Bible doesn't say. You're thinking, there's no donkey? You could read the, you could read the Bible yourself. There's, there's no, like, did she ride a donkey? Could have. Maybe that would have been good. But that, that doesn't sound like fun either, right, ladies? Riding a donkey and you're pregnant? I've never been pregnant before. That can't be good. That baby could come quicker, right? That's not good. So here they are. They show up in Bethlehem. And you're gonna, you, if you had a pregnant wife and that, you just don't know. There's probably, like, you've got to find a place now. Okay, nothing's nothing's booked. Priceline, Trivago, everything's booked up. Motel Six, no no light on. Everything. There's nothing. And is that they come to her and say, "Hey, we got a little room in the back. We actually got our stable in the back, a little cave back there. You can use that where the animals are." So picture this: the Savior of the world, the King of the Universe, is born. There probably wasn't an epidural. There probably wasn't a midwife. It was just this pungent aroma of manure. That's what happened. It says when they, in, in verse six, when they were there, the time came, the baby to be born. She gave birth to her, her first son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there's no guest room available to them. That was the royal treatment. Quite the twist of the story. Not what they expected. Not in the progression of, of being married and having a family, eventually having some children. Not part of the plan. Not part of the plan that they would go and, and they would walk 90 miles, have this baby in a foreign place that they've never probably been there before even. 
that they had to go there. This was a once in a lifetime. Like, why now? Why then? Why this timing? A little twist in the story, a little unexpected that happens in the very first Christmas. Well, here we are, 2,000 Christmases later, and there's a lot of twists in our story, isn't it? There's a lot of things that can happen in our life. And, and, and this story helps us a little bit how amazing the story is because the twists in life and how amazing your story and how intriguing your own life story is with the twists and turns that happen. I think all of us can look back and go, huh, that was interesting. And I went through that. And here I am today because of that. Sure made life not boring, but made life very difficult and hard. The Christmas story can speak to us today. So as we get into this very, very busy week. And I don't want to remind you how busy you're going to be. Uh, But for a lot of us in this pre-Christmas week, I want to just prepare us for the unexpected a bit and how the Christmas story really ties in even our story here this Christmas. The first is this, you can write this is when what seems to be an interruption can actually be part of God's redemptive plan. What seems to you as an interruption actually can be a part of God's redemptive plan. Joseph and Mary were normal young couple ready to do what normal young couples, again, normal and predictable to happen, and God had other plans. Now you think about why then? Why not them? Why not you? Why not me? And what his plan and his purpose. We want normal and predictable, but that's, the, that's not what we can guarantee. The unexpected happens, and many times the unexpected in our life, many many times has a negative turn. And then other times though, it it eventually does turn out positive in our life. I'll give you kind of a practical example. Just a few years ago, we had a, we have a family vehicle that was probably had about 190,000 miles on it. And uh, we're believers in no car payments. And that means you don't drive cars in the same decade you live. Okay. That's just kind of the way it works. So we're keeping this, this cars together, this vehicle together, and was getting up there. And then, you know, you spend a couple thousand here and a little bit more here, like, well, now another 2,000. And we're like, okay, this is not going to be good. We're going to need to do something with it. So we had a friend that's going to, would sell our vehicle. And then he had a van that we could buy and we bought the van. And then we needed to sell this other vehicle and it wasn't selling, but he was going to take care of that. And when we got this van, my parents used to call, I don't know where they get the term lemon, but my, it, this was a lemon, okay? This car had multiple problems, didn't get it checked over well enough. And, and one of the things, it had one of those automatic sliding doors and vans. And those are wonderful, but when they don't work, they suck, okay? And, and so, especially, and they always did not work. The door never really worked, especially when you had to drive up with children at school. And you got people and parents behind you honking. There's some impatient parents behind you at times honking, come moving on. And our kids, you know, middle school, they're just ducking, they're embarrassed as they're getting out of this van and they're squeezing through the door. It's only this big because it doesn't open. And they're climbing, this van sucks. This van's stupid. You know, that was kind of what coming out of middle schoolers. I'm like, yeah, it's dumb. It's a dumb van. I'm just regretting this van. We're driving it. So then my wife, and I, well, actually she's by herself. She's driving in Bellingham going, North and I five near Iowa Street, and she's in the left lane minding her own business, and this car comes right over and s- decides to stop right in front of her, and she sl- couldn't have n- no time, slams right into it. She's fine, but the van was totaled. <laughs> Again, she was fine. That was for, honey, you okay? She goes, I think it's totaled. Oh, too bad. Now, I use that as an example, like, it all worked out, we got the insurance, we, we and, and here's the other thing with that, the car, you know, they say, oh, 2000 oh, it's only $200 to repair, like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? And you go through this, and I, I bring that as an example in a practical way, it's like, there's much worse things to go through, right? And it's much difficult, and you might be in a difficult situation right now, and like, the unexpected's happening to you, 
And some things work out okay. Like that all worked out okay. But like, you're kind of going, why did we go through that? And like, well, there's a lot of lessons learned. There's a lot of trust in the Lord. And in your own life, if it's illnesses, if it's job loss, if it's relationships uh, that end, there's so much abruptness that can take place. It disrupts our life and it puts us in a tailspin. And we got to ask the question in the middle of the chaos and everything we're going through. Okay, God, why is good? But recognize this, that God has a redemptive plan, that God is good. We hear that over and over, that God is good, that God has a plan, and his plan is better than good. As I said, it's redemptive. Redemptive means better than before. Redemptive means that God's going to do something with this. And the interruption this teenage couple brought the greatest redemption ever, the salvation of the entire world. And thank goodness that job's been done, right? That doesn't have to happen any longer. We don't have to usher in the savior of the world, but in some ways we do when we bring it up in Christmas. Like we're the ones to help bring and say, here is salvation. Here's good news of great joy, but there's a lot of stress and there's a lot of work and there's a lot of effort to get to that place. But know this in your circumstance, in your life, God is a redemptive God and God's gonna do something. He does all things together for good or those who love and are called according to his purpose. At the end of the day, there's a redemptive work. But there's something so amazing, such soberness to it all, is this, it's our choice. It's our choice in the matter. As God has this plan, know this, is that obedience, you write this down, obedience is always the best response to divine revelation. Mary's response, Mary's response to was this, to hearing that of what the Lord wanted to do. I'm the Lord's servant. I will do, do what the world, world uh, I'm sorry, the word should be fulfilled. Joseph responded this way, this, he did as the Lord commanded him. They responded simple obedience. It was clear to do. But don't miss about obedience. Obedience comes after divine revelation. A lot of times we get hung up. I got to do this. I got to do this. This is the right thing to do. But is God speaking to you? Is God revealing who he is to you through obedience? That's his heart. That's his desire. God was revealing. He was revealing his plan through this young couple of this work that he wanted to do. And I can tell you the same. God wants to reveal himself through your obedience, through what he's calling you to do. You can actually know God more in as we're obeying him and knowing, even though you don't know how it's all going to work. And I think that the irony of Christmas every single year, and we fight it, we fight it, fight it, it was you don't forget the reason for the season, right? It's cheesy. We say it over and over year after year. The reason for the season is Jesus. And we forget it. It's kind of like having a birthday party. You ever go to birth- oh, this big birthday bash and everything? It's so fun and we're celebrating and people are, there's a lot of going on. And they're like, oh wait, who's this birthday for? Uh, I don't, I don't know. Like who's, like whose party is this for? Like what? I was like, oh, oh it's Jesus's. Oh, that's right. Yeah. We do that every year, don't we? And we miss the fact that obedience isn't fun all the time obedience isn't fun all the time. If, if, if true obedience was fun, we just call it fun, right? We wouldn't call it obedience. In obedience, though, in our obedience comes this reward, but why do we do what we do? Not because it's the right thing to do, because who it's for and who we're celebrating. It's this divine revelation we have of that we're knowing God and walking with God. And I encourage you, how do you find divine revelation is in God's word every day. We're reading it over and over and taking in and praying, having conversation that he's revealing himself, who he is. And in the midst of obedience, much of it has to do with this. It has to do with trust. See, finally, let me just say this, that you don't have to completely understand the plan to trust that God has a greater purpose. 
Obedience is really that way. They didn't, the, 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 the young couple, they didn't know what really truly was going to take place, but they took the steps they needed to know, but they didn't know the outcome of it. And many times, again, the outcome, the twist in life can be so hard. This Friday, just a couple days ago, we buried my, my cousin Karen, 47 years old. It's different right? we, than, you know, older generation. Her mom passed away just a month ago, 80 years, 82 years old. And you're kind of like, okay, that was a long life. But 47, that's, that's getting real right here. And she had a lot of medical issues and everything. But her actual death was very, very sudden. And just caught us off guard. And, and it's hard as a, as a pastor to do your own cousin's funeral. It was the closest I've ever had to do. I, I've done a lot of funerals. And they show the video and that, and then the pastor gets up and does the message. Well, that was me today. And there I am in some of the pictures of my cousin. And I just still the guy, Lord, why take care of him so young? Why, why do that? She has, a, she has an 11-year-old son? I don't get that. I don't understand. Well, Lord, why would you do that? But you know what I want you to know is I had an opportunity. I had an opportunity, my aunt's funeral and, and, and on Friday, to share the gospel. And I, I thank God for that. I had conversations with some, some cousins, and they, they just don't get church. They don't quite understand it. It's, it's, they seem like it's been shoved down their face. And they said, Danny, they said, Danny you, you said it differently. You, you, you presented it in a way. And like, you know, I thought about that. Like, good. You know, we're, they're hearing it in a way that I know that there's some seeds that are planted, that God's going to do with that. But in the tragedy and the suddenness of life, that God is revealing himself. And in it, even though we don't understand all the plan with it, but it's, it's redemptive. And it's the steps of obedience, and it comes down to trust. You got to understand here, the, the, the Savior of the world. Let's, just, let's give birth to the Savior of the world. And how are we going to do it? Let's use two teenagers to do it. I love teenagers. I got a couple of myself, but is that how to bring the, the salvation of the entire world? That's what he chose. And not only that, they say, so you're going to get, they have this revelation. You are going to give birth to the savior of the world. Okay. Well, what else? That's it. You're on your own. There's no field manual. There's no, there's no instructional guide to say, how do I raise the savior of the world? How do I raise God's son? How do we raise him? How do we discipline? How do you discipline a perfect child? Okay. How do we become the, per talk about pressure, the perfect parents, because it's, it's God in the flesh, right? We need a little bit more details. And I, it speaks to me at times in my life going, God, maybe, maybe you could give me a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? Like you told me to do this, a little bit more would be great. And I think sometimes it's almost, maybe it's a, a Jack Nicholson moment that God says to me, Dan, if I gave you more, you couldn't handle it. You couldn't handle it. If I gave you more, and I thought about that in life, I think for all of us, if we knew all the steps ahead and what we have to go through, we're like, pass. I'm not going to go through that. I'm wondering the underside of actually God's, by faith, you're, it's about trusting me. If we had the entire plan in front of us, what would happen? We wouldn't need God. God is the key to it. God is in relationship with us to reveal and to show himself and the steps and knowing the steps are not only good, but there's a redemptive plan that he has. And think about this. Think about this. Here they are to bring the, 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 this young naive capital had no idea to give birth to the savior of the world. They had no idea that their son would grow up. They knew he'd grow up. 
But to grow up in the way he grew up and what he did and, and hit up in his misery, would they picture their little baby boy one day walking on water? To give sight to a blind man, to cause a, a storm to calm with his voice. Would they see their little baby boy die on a cross one day? Your own, your mother looking up at the cross and seeing it. And, and then to die for all mankind and then raised from the dead. I mean, that was unbelievable. In their minds, they did not know what was going to happen. All they needed to do, though, beyond is, is just one thing. It's just trust through obedience. I tell you, God's calling us to do the same thing. We got a lot going on. There's a busy week, and there's a lot of things that we need to do. But are you trusting God and what he's asking you to do the next thing that he's called you to do in life? I know there's twists and turns in our story. And if it's not this week, I hope it's not. I hope we don't have a lot of surprises this week. We're excited about Christmas and all it is. But there's going to be some surprises in 2019. Guaranteed, there's going to be something. One day, you're minding your own business. And that happens in our life. Are we going to be ready? Are we going to be prepared? Well, I want to end this. I'm going to ask Shane to come as we close. But I want to leave you this scripture. And I think this sets us up for the week. Just to ponder, to put aside, as much as I maybe stirred something, put everything aside, everything you got to do. And but to do what Mary did. That Mary did this, and I love this. Mary says this, you can put the scripture up, treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary had no idea. Mary had no idea the future of her son, the savior of the world, what that all meant. She was holding this precious baby boy that was promised to her, that God fulfilled, and that God did this work. She didn't know what was going to take place next, but she did this. She treasured it. She pondered it. And I encourage us today, this morning, as we sing this last couple songs together, just will you just take this time to worship the Lord? Will you treasure the fact that the savior of the world's come? As Shane said earlier, not just for all of mankind, which he did. He came for you. Could you make it that personal? Could you say, Lord, I just treasure this moment. I treasure as I go into this week and all the busyness and everything I'm doing, Lord, that I would take time to ponder, that I'd ponder and take a a glimpse to look into the manger. But you even know the story is bigger than that. The gaze upon the cross. And Jesus, what you did for me and died for me, Lord, and that you rose again for me so that I could have life. Will you take that moment? You and I can take that today as we do. Let, let's pray together. Lord, we don't, we just don't know what's going to happen next in our life. There's so many twists and turns. And you got to look back this week and my, my cousin Karen had passed away. And I know she's with you. She's in heaven. And I'm grateful for that, Lord. But I, I, it's lost, Lord. No one expected this. No one expected this twist and turn in our own story, in our family. Lord, this Mary and Joseph, they didn't expect what to happen to them in the way that happened to them. But Lord, they modeled to us to, to learn to trust and be obedient. God, through as you reveal, and Lord, I, I know today you are, you are always speaking and you are always revealing who you are. And Lord, in the midst of the chaos and the clutter this week, Lord, I pray that by your grace, Lord, that we would, we would recognize that. Lord, every, every song on the radio that speaks of you, Jesus, being born, Lord, may we just have these moments of worship with you. God, we're in the store and we're, we're listening to something. Or we have these moments with a person that we can look someone in the eye and wonder, do they have the hope of Jesus this season? 
Lord, when we're with our family, with our friends, and having these holiday parties and work parties that we're going to go to, Lord, there's lost, hurting, and broken people that, that don't know that there's a redemptive plan, God, that you have for them. Lord, we, when we have these moments, Lord, with them this week, God, that we would prepare by this moment that we would treasure our own salvation. And God, if there's some here today that they've, they've never really looked into the, the manger and the way to look at it, that, that Jesus, it's not just you little baby Jesus being born, but you are the savior of the world and the savior of their soul, Lord. May today be the day that we would treasure as Mary did and ponder it in our hearts today that all that you've done, all that you accomplished, Lord. Give us, give us strength, give us courage, give us opportunity this week, Lord, that I know you will and steps in obedience. But Lord, may we not miss this moment, this time, and these moments that we can have with you before we end today. In Jesus' name.